video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you Hello, want to watch. Hello, my name is Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of the notable Blu-rays and DVDs of this week. Yes, we do. And we're starting right away with the most important one that you have to buy if you're listening to the show. <laughs> There's no excuse. If you're a listener of the show and you haven't already bought this or are planning to, then... You're not allowed to listen anymore? Should I say uh, that? I guess, but they can buy it. I mean, if they don't have the funds, I understand. That's fair. That's but fair. if you're going out and you're buying any Blu-ray before this one, how dare you? You're dead to Justin, particularly. And that movie is Golden Ninja Video's Metal Detector Maniac, it, the release of... It's actually Charlie Roxburgh and Matt Farley's Metal Detector Maniac. Yes, sir. And it is a stealth double feature, too, because it comes with the other feature film they made last year, Heard She Got Married, which we talked about at length back when that came out. That's right. And it's a perfect double bill because they are thematic partners to each other, both of them in black and white. And what did you think of Metal Detector Maniac, Mark? I liked it a lot. It sounds like you're not a big fan. I Maybe I would say it, I didn't like it quite as much as Heard She Got Married. Metal Detector Maniac is a hell of a lot of fun though it's super i guess maybe her she got married for me represented somewhat of a not that their movies aren't mature but there was like a weird newfound sense of maturity that in it that i really that really stuck with me well her she got married was also made after metal detector mania it just felt kind of different and just odd and i couldn't quite put my finger on it and that's kind of what i liked about it whereas this one kind of follows a bit more of the trajectory of some of their older stuff even though it is in black and white but having said that it's hella funny it's a one joke movie that climaxes with like a payoff that is so obvious but you will never see coming oh it's so funny though (laughs) (laughs) and i have to say like the final yeah like 10 15 minutes are just some of the best filmmaking i've seen in in recent years Because that's the thing is when you watch it you're like oh no Uh, peter even said this he's like are they off their game are they a little bit or maybe it was will and then you're like oh no it's just building up to this this climax because you're right it is a one joke movie that kind of meanders and for a while in the middle you are kind of i did have that thought too like "Uh, is this really going anywhere that's that satisfying but I don't know. It did bring it all together at the end and it's just super funny. And yeah, I mean that one joke premise where it's like, they just see a metal detector guy in the park and think he's a psycho based on nothing. It's just so funny because their continued attempts to try and convince people that there's something sinister about him are just too, too good. And yeah, it's just, I mean, if you're into their stuff, you're going to love this. And if not, then get on board. What are you waiting for? And I mean, if you are like Mark and you hate Metal Detector Maniac, <laughs> then you can also enjoy Heard She Got Married, which is an, a, spe- a special edition as well. Both films have commentary tracks. I did some interviews with the actors. The director, Charlie Roxburgh, did some interviews. There's making of, behind the scenes footage, little booklet. I mean, everything you would want from a uh, you know a package like this. Yeah, you were, you were putting together the definitive physical media releases of Moturn films, which begs the question, at one point, would you ever put together a complete Moturn box set? Oh, I'd have to talk to Matt about that. I wonder what the audience would be for a complete Moturn box set. I can just picture that looking so beautiful on my shelf. Though, I think know? the issue is that a lot of people already have all their movies. That's true. That's true. But then you do that jackass <laughs> thing where you have one of the films that's not on Blu-ray, but you include it only in that box set. You should do it. Make a limited run of like 20 of them. 20, yeah, and they come like in a big box and a thousand dollars. But you're doing an amazing. The Metal Detector Maniac score, which is very 
uh, integral to the film. It is. Matt released only on vinyl. Wow. That's very cool. I mean, I did look online because he wasn't shipping to Canada. And he's like, it's on Amazon now. And I'm like, $100. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little rich for my blood. But you can get it. uh, I think maybe Matt may still have copies or it's on American Amazon as well. But before you do any of that, you got to pick up the Blu-ray, Metal Detective Maniac, available at Bay Street Video. And if you're not in Toronto, available at GoldenNinjaVideo.com. And it's limited, I assume? 800 copies, like all the other things that we've done. So yeah, so like Local Legends, no more copies. Don't let the River Beast get you, no more copies either. So don't miss out on Metal Detective Maniac. And we got cleaned out of those other two because we still had a copy or two of those other Farley ones until about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think that when it goes out of print, people are like, I need it, I need it. from all over the U.S. were calling us and emailing us about them really oh yeah we shipped out our last copies of those farley's to a guy in chicago i want to say or something like mm-hmm. that well i'll talk to matt we, we should figure because i don't want these films to go out of print so oh, i know right they are so but they actually if you want to watch them they're all available on uh amazon prime and Tubi. so it's not like the films are not you know viewable but you don't get the sweet commentary track i forgot that i think don't let the river beast get you as two one with matt charlie and one with me and will and local legends has one with me and peter kaplowski so well, that's the thing i feel like you know these can easily get lost on Tubi because there's such a glut of like self-made or just like bad VOD looking genre stuff that it could be easy to assume this these are just like more of those but you know your discs provide all the proper context they really they really give them their due so it's kind of the best way to watch these movies oh and then give a call to Matt Filey because he will answer he will. yeah and he said anytime anytime give him a call so next up we have alligator from shout only in 4k but it comes with a blu-ray but you gotta pay 4k prices this is just the way of the world now it's just like how there were blu-ray dvd combo packs they're gonna be 4k blu-ray combo packs now Criterion still does no stop doing dvds we don't want them this release has been a long time coming i feel like ever since i first started working at this store people have been asking for when is alligator coming out again because the initial dvd which was just i think a bare bones one from lionsgate back in the day has been out of print for god forever it seems oh, like. a long time there was a big rights dispute which is why they couldn't get it out again but now it's here as a big special edition not only is it in 4k there's interviews with everyone involved there's a brian cranston interview who he was a pa on set <laughs> which is a great story yeah <laughs> and yeah it's a great movie i love it lewis teague robert forster giant alligator what is there not to like a little boy jumps in an alligator's mouth off of a diving board and it's great i love how it plays off that great like urban legend of you know flushing a creature down the toilet and it mutates into something you know beyond belief if you're buying alligator one you're like i guess i'll get alligator two as well even though it sucks <laughs> but they know what they're doing and i guess they knew because they only put that on blu-ray no 4k upgrade for alligator no 2. no 4k upgrade for alligator 2 moving on we have arrow lies and deceit five films by claude chabrol oh it's my french new wave guy never gets any respect but now here are all his thrillers especially for me because i always mix up his movies with other you know lesser known french new wave guys I guess. it's not that hard there's eric kramer he makes the boring ones there's jacques rivette he makes the wild ones uh i think Claude Chabrol, he's the one who's kind of like down the middle because you know he's bourgeois as he said himself and he makes film that tackle the bourgeois there you go and what do you get on this set is this a is this a good set for chabrol heads i don't have it in front of me but yeah it's a lot of good ones a lot of the ones that haven't gotten enough respect in north america including uh poulet au vinaigre which is a like kind of agatha christie cop mystery movie 
And there's some other, like, big, you know, timers on here, but there's not, like, The Butcher, which is one of his most famous ones. Well, they are putting out another Chabrol set in, like, a month or two, so... They announced it before they even released the second I one. I know, yeah. You're, you're, like, these still... Like, they've been selling a bit, but yeah, I guess people just... I think they just don't know who he is. Unaware of Chabrol, or yeah, like, I thought he was a fairly big enough name at this yeah, point. Yeah, so you should pick him up if you have interest in the French New Wave, under the angle on a guy who co-wrote the book on Hitchcock the first book on Hitchcock to be specific so you got to check this out even though it's very expensive but they released all the films separately too didn't they no because the inspector Laverden films got put out as like a two-pack from Cohen I know I think Betty did a, f- a few of them did so I guess Cohen lost the rights or something because they were put out on blu-ray but um yeah fascinating feeding frenzy between companies like that just keep re-releasing the films on Blu-ray. Yeah, because it wasn't even that long ago. I feel like it was only five or six years ago, Cohen. I look forward to the Arrow so. 8K alligator release that's going to come out in a year, I guess. Exactly, right? Well, they're all... It's like what Kino's doing with Criterion stuff, right? They're just, like, sliding in and grabbing all the 4K rights for all these uh, movies that criterion's already put out it's at like, what point do collectors go i don't need this again from a different I release mean, that's where i'm at like i see these 4ks coming out from kino of like criterion releases that have been put out like two or three years ago and it's like uh why would i upgrade why like cr- the criterion blu-ray is already really nicely restored and comes with a slew of extras hey, we're still waiting for those televisions and players that we uh, begged for a couple episodes ago so <laughs> if you want to get us on the 4k train that's what you got to do big 4k needs to send it to us <laughs> yeah come on now come on i look at the televisions to buy and i'm like it's too complicated i don't know which one to get <sighs> that's a thing i mean i was just looking at the players at 300 dollars. too complicated to figure it out yeah like which one do i get i mean here's what you get me and mark you get us a big tv and a ps5 then you know it's covered <laughs> we're good we're good come on now we we talk so much so, about 4k yeah keep bitching about 4k that we don't get yeah, it yeah i know right shh well, you know, we turn we turn around. We turn around if we could actually experience it. <laughs> so from uh, we got two films from two different companies, but it's the same director, Rebel of the Neon Gone and Days, and they're Timing Lang films. They are, and it's kind of uh, cool that these two are coming out sort of within proximity to each other because they You put this on the list, Mark. I can't even buy Days from Bay Street Video because you're sold oh, out. Oh, we did. We sold out fast. The demand was pretty high for this, but we got a bunch more coming in um, because the price point is a little higher because the Blu-ray actually on days comes with a whole other uh feature length documentary that he did a few years ago which the dvd doesn't come with so yeah it's actually a pretty nice package that they've put together and yeah rebels of the neon god and days make a good kind of pair because not only were they his first and his most recent film they also star the same actor lee kang sheng and it's a good way to see the relationship they have had over the course of both of their careers and how it's evolved from that first film to now days where they're both much older and much more melancholy i guess in a way yeah these are both great films i love simon liang and if you're you know slow cinema head this is this is like the ticket right here oh yeah i'm a fan Definitely. I, I had Days in my hands and I'm like, oh, no more copies. Guess I can't get it. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? I actually haven't seen Days. I do own a copy of Rebel of the Neon God, though, because, you know, it's big vinegar syndrome, <laughs> even though you write big world. It is. It's that partner label thing. But, you know, it's I'm happy they finally put this out on Blu-ray because it only existed in like 
bad looking DVD transfers for a long time. And it's a beautiful looking film though. So it's uh, it's nice that it's finally available in a restored version. And Days is really cool. I mean, Days is like way more, I mean, you can see how with Rebels of the Neon God, he wasn't fully the slow cinema guy that he is today. It has a little more, you know, movement, a little more plot to it. Days is like fully in the throes of like extreme slow cinema though. Like you literally just watch Lee Kang Shang and the other actor, I can't remember his name, just go about their days. It's literally just about their days and how they, you know, you follow them over the course of a few days, they meet up, they kind of have a connection and then they kind of go on their way and they think about each other and like that's kind of just all it is, but it's so beautifully made. He just has such a way with the camera. It's it's incredible and his actors just without really saying much cuz even Days is pretty much dialogue free, I think for the most part cuz you're really just watching two guys who like live by themselves doing their thing and they just express so much emotion that I don't know I'm just uh, continually fascinated by him and his films speaking of slow cinema next up we have the 4k release of scanner cop one and two. Oh yeah right you gotta like only in 4k as well from vinegar syndrome pot of coffee ready for these Yeah, well, they come with Blu-rays too. Like I said, the 4K Blu-ray package. You gotta pay the 4K prices. This this set though is like pricey. I mean, is it? I got it right when it came out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're pretty comparable with the prices they have online, but uh, yeah, it's like like, it's still like fifty-five dollars, isn't it? It's like eighty dollars, man. It is so expensive because you get like. (laughs) two films on 4k and blu-ray i mean chalk with extras they come in this nice hard box thing kind of like the flesh for frankenstein set it's like the same weight and size of of that but yeah this is the first time they've been on blu-ray at all and i mean they've been out of print for years not very good (laughs) i'm gonna have to maybe disagree with you a little bit on this i kind of enjoy the scanner cop films but i will say this just this year, I started getting into the Scanners series uh, past the first There's only one. three of them. Uh, I'd never <laughs> seen any of the Scanner sequels. And I blazed through Scanners 2, Scanners 3, which were put out by Shout Factory years ago. And then Scanner Cop 1 and 2. And I don't... I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that they are good, really. But I had more fun with them than I thought. I thought number two was really boring but then i had fun with number three and then both scanner cop movies i I don't know i mean i agree i think i maybe read a letterboxd review you had posted for one of them where it's just like it's literally the same formula like where they just hit the same and they do hit the same marks there's no exploding heads they have the gore sequences and like the head explosions no exploding heads no i guess the scanner cop kind of ditches that for like a more I mean, they're still gooey, though. There's still a lot of gore, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's just in a different way. And, you know, it's like an L.A. setting as opposed to the, I think, was it Montreal settings of the Scanners 2 and 3. I don't know. I just I just have fun with these movies. There's just something really funny to me about watching these guys, like, go, and yell at each other and then, like, flex their minds and the veins are bursting and they're just, like, it just goes on and on. Is look in the description of this episode and I will post the video I made of fart sounds laid over <laughs> all of them going... That's funny, yeah. I like that. <laughs> it does look like they're all just trying to take a huge shit the whole time. Like, in all of the Scanners movies, even 
even the first one, arguably. But like, I don't know. There's just something really funny to me about the series that it just keeps going on and on or did for a while. And it was like literally the same formula every time. And I don't know. I, I was just having I have a fondness for it. What can I say? $80 of fondness. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to spend $80 on this set, though, either. So you know? moving on, we have from Severed. I mean, Vinegar Syndrome, <laughs> Doc Dead Breath. Yeah. Ooh, this was a weird one, right? Oh, oh dodge that bullet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened there because, you know. Severed uh, is like, we are very happy that Vinegar Syndrome is releasing Drop Dead Fred. I mean, I think Severin, doesn't Severin get some of their restorations done through Vinegar Syndromes? So I feel yes, like, I, I think they're so. on good terms, right? Those two? But Vinegar Syndrome's been doing that a lot lately, haven't they? We're like, ah, no, we own the rights to that movie. We're releasing well, it. Well, there's the whole dispute right now with Synapse, right? Over Thriller, which is a big thing. But um, yeah, I don't know with this one. I don't know. I guess Severin just thought, I mean, Drop Dead Fred has been notoriously out of print for ever it's um, been on the australian blu-ray which was region free you could pick it up for like 20 bucks could get it from australia and it was a big special edition too and i even had some of the blu-ray from australia on order for a little while but then vinegar syndrome announced there so i ended up canceling it just to go with these yeah i don't know i guess the rights were just up in the air because it had been out of print for so long and i guess Severn thought they had could get it and they couldn't are you a fan of this movie because i sure am it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Like the what you'd expect from a, you know, gross out imaginary friend comedy. Guy who's the lead, Rick Mayall, was a British comedian. He's pretty wacky and over the top. He was in The Young Ones, I think, was his most famous one. And yeah, it's directed by is it eight eight to young or i never can know how to pronounce this guy's name he's the guy who did highway to hell as well he did yeah but then not much else that i'm really familiar with looking at his resume here but i don't know drop dead fred always i feel like it's kind of like for a specific age group of people that maybe grew up with it i didn't see it when i was a kid i would always see the vhs cover though Yeah, i actually didn't see it when i was a kid either but i had a ton of friends that were obsessed with it and said it was like the funniest movie ever and i just never saw it at the time uh, but then I watched it when I was a bit older and yeah, it was, it was, I think I maybe would have liked it even more when I was a kid because of the silliness. Listen, you're either a little monster kid or a drop dead Fred kid. You can't be. Yeah, I guess so. I guess. Well, I was neither because I saw neither of those when I was a kid for some reason. I mean, I guess those were when I was pretty young. I guess we were both pretty young and I just never, I guess my parents just never took them out for me or anything. So. Yeah. You're like, I'd like to watch Ace Ventura, please. Again. Exactly. Right. See if it's before 94, you know. If I didn't, like, come to it myself later, you know, it kind of fell through the cracks. But, oh, Drop Dead Fred. I mean, I'm glad Drop Dead Fred is getting the love. And we've been selling a bunch of these. So, clearly, a lot of people love this one. So, more, I mean, these are all vinegar, technically, vinegar syndrome partner releases. I know. They have so many labels now. And they're all, they have a lot of good stuff. What can I say? So, we have The Unknown Man of Shandigore, released by Def Crocodile. Now, this is a label I like, based on the releases they've done up to now. What have they done so far before this? So, they also did Delta Space Mission. Yes, which we will be having than the next one. So, yeah, we can talk about that more then. Uh, and I think The Unknown Man of Shandigar was their first release. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're an interesting couple uh, company because they are unearthing some pretty obscure kind of like foreign genre stuff. Like this movie I had never heard of before, but it's like 
a pretty cool little 60s spy parody thing with like some pretty famous faces in it, like Serge Gainsbourg, Howard Vernon, the guy who was in Jean-Pierre Judenet's films in the 90s, like City of Lost Children. I'm blanking on what his name is. Yeah, it's like a 60s spy kind of thing, but it's more associated with like the Jess Franco black and white spy films than it is anything else. Totally. It kind of reminded me a bit of like the Blue Panther vibe, like when we watched that too, in a different way. Yeah, a Crachabral film, but I think a little bit more regimented in its visuals yeah it's very graphically gripping and it's funny too there's a lot of like weird zucker style gags oh yeah i really like the scene where i mean there's like a group of like assassins i guess the baldies is what they call them there's a bunch of bald-headed guys master of disguise and there's a great scene where he like describes how to be a master of disguise and he keeps like popping out as like a different person but that they he's just like have his voice. disguised into but it's like a completely different actor and it just has his voice um which is really funny yeah it's got a great great sense of humor and yeah i was really t- taken by how beautiful this film looked i mean the restoration is great but like it is graphically gripping like it's so well composed some of the shots are just just out, out of this world especially the final shot with all those those guys standing on the, um, the top of the building looking over they use it for the menu screen too and it's, it's just like, like city of angels <laughs> yeah it's like city of angels but you know actually good so <laughs> and deaf crocodile They put it in a booklet. Oh, this is something interesting I've noticed that Vinegar is a booklet company now. They didn't used to be. I mean, I like booklets. I'm all for booklets. Big fan. So we have uh, a new booklet by Chris D, who's mostly known for Japanese um, films, but he writes very well about it. There's an interview with the director's wife, the first assistant director, a making of documentary from the time of the film's release. I watched some of the like uh, the the interview, the TV interview, like from that time with the director and the director's. I don't know if you watched any of that, but the director's pretty funny about it because they're the guy who's hosting the show keeps like calling him out for being like for disparaging Swiss cinema or something. And he's based and he's basically like taking the approach like, yeah, Swiss cinema has its place. But I guess up until that point, it'd been mostly like documentaries and stuff made for like the great what he says, the greater good of the country or something. And he wanted to do something that's like different and just like fun and everything. And I don't know, the host seems like so kind of like keeps prodding him being like, but don't you think you're like ruining Swiss cinema a little bit it's it was a funny it's a what funny is interview Swiss cinema like what are the big films I don't know that's the thing I don't know but I guess part of the thing was he hired obviously a lot yes, of French, it's a French actors movie. and it's more of like a French movie that's just set mm-hmm and made within switzerland so i think maybe that was part of it too but i don't know much about the history of swiss cinema speaking of severin we have a bunch of their releases that just came out like bloody pit of horror and whoa what's this it's this week's blind boy yeah blind boy one that i watched and went and eh, Mark, you don't need to watch this if you don't if you don't want to. And he's like, I already did, and I love it. You were already set to bail on this one, but uh, I, had a, I watched it. I I'm watched kind of it. shocked that you hadn't already seen this. When I suggested this, I figured you'd already seen it or something. But I don't know. I'd always heard a lot about this. Heard it was real fun. It's just a real cult oddity. I had a memory in my mind that it was all about a giant spider, and I was not completely wrong. wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a very entertaining looking spider in it. Which I hear from listening to the commentary track with uh, my good friends, David Dakota and David Delvale. 
and by good friends, it's a completely uh, parasocial relationship that the set is from like Spider Island that that Severn put out a little while ago. Yeah. And this true, movie, true. though, Mark, you liked it. You had fun with it, right? I find it kind of boring. I had I'm fun. I'm like, when are we going to get to the torture? I, I guess you are more of an S&M guy than I am. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just found, I mean, I'd always been curious with this one. Because, yeah, this was a title that something weird I remember had in their catalog for a long time, but it was always like a cut-down version. So Severance kind of, I guess, restored the full version of this. And I don't know, it's one of those movies that is obviously really bad on the surface. Like, it's super, super stilted and weird. But I just had, it just felt like such, it gives me that fever dream kind of aspect a little bit, you know, maybe have some, you know, how I like something like Burial Ground, which is like a totally different movie, but like it has that same sort of ridiculous fever dream thing. And yeah, it's like about a bunch of models that go to a big castle and then someone starts killing which them. Which is hilarious to me. They go to this like castle just like on a whim and they're yeah, like, yeah, they're doing Fumetti comics, which is like Italian photo comics. And Mickey Hargitay, you know, is the owner of the castle and they're like so shocked that somebody owns it like oh sorry you know we just wanted to shoot in your house you know no big deal they're so like weird about it uh but then the girls are so like whatever about shooting and and, yeah and i love the whole premise of they're shooting sexy covers for like a horror movie uh, or horror book series basically and it just has such like a weird you know the music is so kind of like chipper and upbeat it's got such a weird vibe it's like do 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 all i can think of when i say jazzy is the score from austin powers do 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 I think the main selling point here is Mickey Hargitay, though, right? Like, he oh yeah, all those, is those, those oily so muscles just funny. screaming so, entirely. Yeah, he turns out to be the, the the villain, and he is possessed by the soul of like a the Marquis de Sade, essentially torturer or something. Yeah, the Marquis de Sade influenced torturer or something the like Crimson that. Crimson Avenger. Yeah, that's what it is. And he, but and he's like simultaneously obsessed with his own body and his own like physical perfection he keeps oiling up his pecs and everything and then he's also obsessed with torture and the film for like the last half hour i want to say is just like a series of drawn out torture scenes almost topless women being like no no but they get so close without actually doing it but, you know, when you hear that, and, he, and I hate torture porn and stuff, too. So it's like, at first I was like, oh, is it going to get like too grotty? But it's the 60s, so they couldn't go too far with it. And the torture scenes are just so ludicrous. And there's nothing actually really happening that bad. And it's just hit Mickey Hargitay ranting and raving. And these women and sometimes the guys kind of like, uh, uh just like shrieking for over and over again sweaty orgasmic faces and it just goes on for so long that it kind of crosses that threshold of being like tedious or boring into just like comedy for me i don't know i was just i was laughing through this whole thing in a good way and i just thought it was i just thought it was so funny i just thought i can totally see why david dakota loves this movie i feel like it's he's kind of taken some of that absurdist humor in his own work i don't know i was surprised by how much i like this movie i have to admit you know what i can get fully behind the next movie which i rewatched this new seven release night of the demon aka the film where a bigfoot rips a guy's dick yeah off. this is a legendary 
one. I thought this was duller than I remember because when I watched it, I found this a delight. And speaking of Grotty, I don't know when the last time you saw this movie, Mark. Uh, it's been like a decade or so, so I definitely want to revisit the- it climax of this movie is bananas it's just like a sasquatch like ripping guys arms off like shoving their faces well i first saw this when i first started working at the store because i think code red put it out on dvd at that point and we had it in it then and a co-worker of mine was like you have to watch this he basically described it as yeah like the bigfoot movie where he just rips off people's dicks and that it gets really crazy and yeah i remember watching it just loving it i have a fondness for bigfoot movies in general and it was just super super funny and then I kind of just forgot about it for years until Severin announced they were putting it out. And it's like, because it's got such a generic title, too, that I was like, oh, yeah, it's the Bigfoot movie. So And Severin went bananas on this release. There's like a lost film the director or the producer made, which supposedly is not very good. It's like, stay lost. There's a documentary on like, I think Video Nasties. I mean, another documentary on Video Nasties. Oh man, didn't Severin put out two documentaries about Video Nasties? Uh, but there's also interviews with the director or the producer, anyone still available. Well, Severin, you know, they're also going big on the slipcover route right now. I know you don't give a shit about slipcovers, but both Bloody Pit of Horror and Night of the Demon have these... Uh, vinegar syndrome-esque slip covers you know personally i would recommend both of these several releases i i'm a fan i'm a big fan i can full heartedly that's not a turn of phrase recommend night of the demon i love night of the demon watching it bloody pit of horror eh, okay so you're, right. you're a no on the blind buy for bloody pit of horror oh that's right because it's a blind buy yeah i'm a no on blind. do what do i own it of course I do. I bought it from Face Radio. Oh, there you go. You should just give your copy to me because I like it so nope, much. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Maybe I will grow wiser. You know, yeah. You just need to appreciate it over time, I think. And next up, we have my good friends, Film Detective, the only people who are still sending me... They send um, you discs, right? So you're contractually obligated to say that. Uh, Dancing Pirate. And this one's interesting because Film Detective has mostly been doing monster movies, sci-fi films. And this is actually the second ever Technicolor film to ever be released. And it's been kind of forgotten because it doesn't star anyone who went on to be a star. It's not directed by anyone in particular. But the release is very interesting. Lots of context, great special features, an excellent booklet. And the movie itself is pretty fun. And I really love early Technicolor where like it doesn't look quite right. And yeah, Film Detective, um, it's interesting that they're doing this kind of stuff because I think they're only doing it because these films are probably public domain-ish which is why they're doing all these ones but hey nobody else has done it other than gold ninja video so it's nice for them to do it and you know go all out on releases are quite spiffy these days i gotta do they sell at uh, the store they do yeah they do really well for us every title they put out and they went from like being 45 dollars to like 18 dollars pretty much well that was only the first like you know restored release they did was like a crazy like $40 price point but since then they've come down like they're these blu-rays are only like 20 bucks a pop but even when they were doing just scans of stuff and putting it out they were like $35 like that copy of Black Dragon's Revenge sat in your on your shelf for years yeah back when they were just doing the MOD like uh, public domain stuff they were not that cheap that's for sure and it sucked because they always said like they were restored versions and it's like these aren't restored versions what are you talking about uh but now they are good they are in the they are in the uh our good books and i appreciate them sending me new discs every time uh any company could be my good friend if they send me stuff come on guys anyone anyone at all 
Who wants to be our friends? So moving on, we have it's a moon double bill for Mark with man on the moon and the man in the moon. Is he on the moon or in the moon? Who Wait, knows? what is the man in the moon? Oh, you know what? I haven't actually seen the man in the moon. <laughs> You just put it because it was man and moon. Well, they just came out at the same time. I'm like, that's great. Man on the moon is. But I always remember the cover. So Man on the Moon is an early film with Reese Witherspoon, actually, when she was very young. Early 90s movie. Oh, God. Yeah. Directed by, I assume, a withered Robert Mulligan. (laughs) Yeah. But I know a lot of people have a fondness for this that grew up with it. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just put it on here for the jokes, you know. <laughs> a coming of age story in the south of the U.S. when Elvis was king. Yeah. All right. Which I feel like was done a lot. Hey, Elvis fever is coming back. Baz Luhrmann hey, has a new Elvis there it movie. Is. But yeah, this was like before Reese Witherspoon's Wither, Wither like edgy sort of like teen period when she was doing like freeway and fear and stuff um and this is i don't know i just remember this always being at the video store I just remember the cover of this really well I remember a lot of people i know seeing it and really having a fondness for it so it's finally out on blu-ray y'all and finally on blu-ray man on the moon the uh, milos foreman movie yep that's the one jim carrey and Hell his yeah. favorite comedian, Andy Kaufman. I love this movie. Watch. You love this movie? Oh, I love it. Yeah, you don't? It's all right. Oh, I disagree. I'm a big, big fan of this movie. Um, I'm also a big, like, Milos Foreman fan in general, though, so... Even though I'm coming down, I'm going to pick it up because I want that sweet Larry Karaszewski commentary that he did only for this release. I don't know. Yeah, I just really love this film. I've always... I wouldn't call myself an Andy Kaufman mega fan or anything, but I've always admired his like comedy his like anti-comedy ethos i guess and obviously i love jim carrey and i think this is one of his best and honestly most sympathetic performances i i really love him in this well i even saw the doc that he did on this at tiff when he was there and i really like the doc too i just like i love this movie and everything about this movie i love courtney love in this movie i love danny devito in this movie i love paul giamatti in this movie i just and i don't know i just yeah i mean when i saw it as a kid i obviously wasn't prepared for i was expecting just you know a jim carrey comedy and it's yeah, not you were that expecting uh man on the moon <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly the... that's the rem song yeah you know i even liked it as a kid and just you know i've seen it a few times since then and i just it's grown in stature in my mind it's really one of my favorites of his of jim carrey's films and i just think it's one of the highlights in uh, miller's foreman's career too. i just think i'm more of a majestic head <laughs> A film that I haven't seen since it came out on VHS. I'm going to make a confession. I've never seen The Majestic, actually. Yeah. What? But that was in pure gym time. I know. I was obviously down to see it, but I think I like never saw it in theaters. And then it just it just passed by and I thought it just looked kind of boring and I just never got to it. So, yeah, I don't know. Why? Is it worth watching? Should I catch up with the Majestic? I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't remember liking it very much when I saw Who it. Who is it? It's Frank Darabont that made that? Darabont, or, yeah. Know. All I remember is that Bruce Campbell is like an Errol Flynn type character in a movie they're watching. Right, right. Okay. You know, when the Majestic Kino Blu-ray comes out, you have to watch it. Sure. I don't know. It's a Warner title, so it'd be more likely like a Warner archive. Moving on to Blu-rays that I've been eyeing and I'm like, should I buy this? It's so expensive. We got... <laughs> It's way too expensive, man. We got Posse, uh, which is the 1993 Mario Van Peebles film, which we talked about a few episodes ago, and I mentioned... Briefly oh. mentioned, yeah. But first, before we get into it, this is from a new label that we've got here called Sandpiper, which is also... They, they also put out The Man in the Moon, so they No put special features? You're dead to me. You know what they look like, suspiciously, packaging-wise? 
Olive Films. Don't they look exactly like Olive Film releases? Oh, is it an Olive Film rebranding? I think it's an Olive Off. I think it's a rebranding of Olive because it's all MGM titles so far that they've put out. And Olive used to put out MGM titles. And if you look at the packaging of these movies, yeah, there's no special features, which was an, an Olive uh, thing, um, regular Olive thing, unless it was their like signature collection stuff. Wait, doesn't um, Vinegar Syndrome do MGM as well? They do, they do. I mean, I think a lot, even Kino has MGM stuff, but I think Olive's films were mostly MGM titles, so I guess maybe they Why got Why has no one these? else put out Posse, though? Nobody's ever put out a Posse on Blu-ray before. Oh, you know what? Another thing about these, I don't think Posse was part of this, but some of these releases that they've been putting out were put out by Twilight Time, briefly back in the day so i think they've got the rights to some of those but yeah nobody's as far as i know ever put out posse on blue but you got mario van peebles basically cashing in a blank check from the success of his previous film new jack city the new jack city new New jack Jack city yeah this was his follow-up to new jack city and it tanked his career frankly i'm not not a huge fan of new jack city no i'm not a fan of new jack city either you know in that way it's weird it's the one that was like super successful i think it was pretty much the first one right like there hadn't been really movies like that it was always one i'd been like dying to see as a kid when i finally saw it in like my early 20s or so it just didn't really I just found it kind of boring, honestly, except for like the Chris Rock stuff where he's like a meth head. But. And Mark took the bullet of watching this Western. Mark's a Western guy I'm, now. I have watched so many Westerns over the last few weeks for some reason. All prompted but, by uh, me, I should add. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, you're getting me on the Western train. But you know what? I will admit I've been curious to see Posse for a while because even though I'm not a huge New Jack City fan, I do. I am fascinated by the directorial career of Mario Van Peebles. Billy Zane is in this movie, so he's I mean, the villain, right? I watched this like a year ago, and I don't remember it that well. Okay, yeah, he's the villain. Although there's multiple villains in this movie, he's one of this many. Is, this he's, is an epic film. <laughs> like, oh my, and it's an epic cast too. Like there are so many. Oh my god, I love the cast in this. Um, but yeah, Billy Zane's only really in the beginning, a little bit in the middle, and at the end, he's kind of like the general that is sort of in charge of Mario Van Peebles and his crew at first. And then Mario Van Peebles, and he's evil and everything. Mario Van Peebles kind of like rebels and escapes from him and then and kind of injures Billy Zane. So Billy Zane's kind of like after him from afar the whole time. I mean, listen to this. like Nipsey Russell, Isaac Hayes, Pam Greer, Tone Locke, uh, Blair Underwood, uh, Paul Bartel as Mayor Bigwood, <laughs> Stephen Baldwin, Mario, uh, Mark's favorite. I cannot get Mark's name right this time. I know, Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not only your favorite actor, he's also your your model as a person. <laughs> of course, of course, you know, just a gen- just a great, great guy all around. <laughs> but yeah, so many, like Woody Strode is in here. Reginald Bell Johnson is in here for a few scenes. The uh, dad from, you know, Carl from Family Matters. God, there's so many. We're definitely forgetting more, but like... This is a great cast. And, you know, yeah, I did watch this the other day. I will say a little too Western, a little too conventional Western for me. I I found it a little bit dry. But it's so stylish, Mark. Isn't it stylish? Yeah, I will say it looks great. Like he definitely cashed that blank check and made good on it because this looks beautiful. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most beautiful looking Westerns of the 90s, I would say. Yeah, and there was a wave of them here, which is what this is riding off of. I feel like this one is forgotten a little bit. Yeah, completely forgotten. Yeah, nobody really talks about this. And it's like an all, yeah, because it's an all black Western. They're like basically like a team and they go on like missions. 
help defend a black town from the KKK. You'd think this one would be like have more cult fans, right? It's weird that it does. It's not just like one scenario. It goes from like they start off in Cuba, I believe. Yeah. And there's a whole sequence there. And then they're in the U.S. and then they're in this one town. Then they go to another town. They have to save this town from KKK members that are like marauding through it. And like there's just a lot going on in this movie. Mario Van Peoples is constantly like swooping his cape in front of the camera and pulling like two guns out to fire. I will say Mario Van Peoples was probably the least appealing actor in it, though. How dare you? I know. And I don't mind him necessarily. Listen, look at those oiled up muscles and his like shirtless like Do you remember the cringe sex scene? he has though in this movie is it oh like, my god there's yeah there's like a cringe like 90s-esque sex scene between him and another actress and it's like uh oh yeah even though maybe this wasn't necessarily my thing i you can't not admire the craft on hand here and i watched uh, a rip of the new blu-ray and it looks really nice so i mean i don't know where they got the print from or whatever or if they restored it at all uh, but it's like 38 dollars, isn't it i was like i thought we were gonna get these for cheaper one of our suppliers was working on like a potential deal because this was always the thing with olive too like olive stuff used to a long time ago be available to we got through domestic suppliers and then apparently the guy who ran olive was just like a total dick oh really is that what happened apparently yeah and didn't want to play ball so then we had to import them all so the price is all jacked up and it's the same with these uh i thought for a while i could get these cheaper but eventually no they're just u.s imports that i have to bring in and they're all like 38.95 so with no extras or anything so i mean they look nice they definitely look nice anyone will do another release of posse probably not that's the thing i don't know what the deal is with the sandpiper label is this just going to be like a temporary thing and then you'll see like actual like special editions of these movies come out or i mean i could see kino putting a posse out like that seems like a kino title doesn't it so right i mean but sandpiper has announced more stuff coming out over the next couple months so Uh, they're not it's not just like a one and done thing yet so moving on we have some paramount releases Eh, the most unexciting label (laughs) you don't like paramount films in dreams isn't this the uh serial killer film with robert downey jr this is uh, directed by neil jordan it's the neil jordan movie that nobody remembers except for me because i loved this film when i was it was on a double bill with uh, something else on dvd probably because we had it at eyesore cinema and i would always like stare at it when i'd be restocking shelves strangely enough had a poster for this up in my up in my room because the video store i went to as a kid like gave away their posters after they were done for some reason the the image of in dreams always was like ooh, i like that i mean it's been years since i've revisited this but i feel like it's probably not very good oh i remember it not being very good there was just something about the mood and vibe of this movie that i liked basically annette benning is the star and she has like visions she's basically like psychically connected to a serial killer who's played by robert downey jr in like stringy long hair this was fully when robert downey jr was in the throes of his like drug addiction and legal problems and you can definitely tell and yeah so she has this like psychic she can see like his victims and where he's going which i feel like is a trope that's been used before so yeah exactly right i got a soft spot for neil jordan he definitely brings some style to it 
and it's just one of those like weird late 90s oddities that you kind of forget about but now it's here on blu-ray for the first time like oh yeah so like that movie speaking of other paramount titles we have 200 cigarettes this is a movie that again i loved as a kid but watched a few years ago and doesn't hold up very well (laughs) i will say that but what a cast people will always watch it because it's a new year's eve movie and they're like oh yeah not so good and that's why i rewatched it again being like oh this is the perfect new year's movie and then it was one of those things i remember rewatching with people and everybody was just kind of like stone-faced through it and it was like oh yeah this isn't quite as good as i remember it but i mean in terms of like 90s nostalgia the cast here is ridiculous you've got both affleck brothers paul rudd courtney love um list goes on and on of just like 90s famous faces and character actors and stuff and it's all that like a bunch of stories taking place on new year's eve in new york uh set in the 80s and yeah i mean it's it's got moments like it's definitely got a lot of charismatic actors i think just a lot of the scenes a lot of the stories weren't as funny as i remember them or as interesting as i remember them but the lesson is every 90s early 2000s kind of one long night movies yeah not that great not that great but you know it's definitely a time capsule and there's there's fans because this has been selling people do like this and next up we have el planet uh and so mark you changed who released this because i was like ah uh, finally not a vinegar syndrome and i'm like no it is well no no this this is a, this is another vinegar syndrome partner label so this is a new film uh and yeah i think it's so it's i always get their new partner labels mixed up so it's utopia that put this out i believe which is their like new theatrical kind of line that they do and this is a great this is one of my favorite films of last year it is a really kind of like sort of like stripped down shot in black and white spanish comedy uh it's kind of just like a two-hander it's directed by amelia ullman and it stars her and her own mother and they kind of play i guess these weird heightened versions of themselves uh which is like a mother and daughter living together who used to like have a more comfortable life full of riches and clearly they've been hit with some sort of like financial catastrophe and they're kind of like bluffing and grifting their way through life before like they're supposed to get evicted from their apartment and everything but they're trying to still like live as if they're rich sort of and like get money from people and it was, this was really funny this was a really nice surprise of a, of a film from last I year i will have to check it out I feel like it kind of went underseen but yeah it's hilarious uh nacho vigolando like the director he is in it for a scene or two he's really funny oh poor nacho vigolando i know not a huge fan of him as a director but i always find him funny when he shows oh, i up. really like colossal you know i didn't see that one uh but i gotta i guess i should catch oh, that up one was really that. good and i feel like they were like this will be his big hit and then it wasn't Wait, he made a film in 2022? Did it come out? Oh, interesting. Oh, it's called The Comeback. It's a Chinese movie? What is going on? It might, or, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it stars, or maybe it's an American film and it just stars two Chinese actors based on the comic. Maybe it wasn't made. But he was a guy that, like, he was a big Fantastic Fest guy. And they kept, I think they kept expecting him to, like, really break out i guess like when he kind of like i guess time crimes was sort of his like big sort of calling card type thing not a big fan of time crimes me neither and that's the thing i was so excited to see time crimes at at the time (laughs) um because i love time travel stuff especially like indie time travel type stuff it just doesn't make any sense to me you know and i just like i mean it makes sense to me but it's just like it's the one thing it's a closed loop that's all it is there's nothing else like one thing 
over and over again. And yeah, I was definitely disappointed by that. So I kind of, I don't know, I just never got into his stuff as much as I know some other people do. Oh, but... you know what? He's directing some pretty big British stuff. I'm looking here. There was a new TV show called Our Flag Means Death with like, uh, that's a Taika Waititi um, show. I know he's on it. And like a bunch of very famous British actors. So he's still kicking. He still works. Yeah. And he pops up as an actor in things too. Huh. Yeah. There you go. I'll have to check this one out. But this is fun. This is a lot of fun. So yeah. Check Next it out. up we have uh, here. This is Mark. I like Mark always puts at the end, you know, the real meaty stuff. So first off. Uh, uh, you know what? I got excited, but this is actually a South Korean film, isn't it? Hard hit. And you know what? Yeah, no, this one, I actually, this is like a, a genuine recommendation for me, I got to say. I keep um, looking at it and I'm like, oh, this got to be like a Bruce Willis film or something. Yeah, right? you think this is like a bad VOD movie or something. But no, this is a South Korean film. It's actually a remake of a Spanish film, I believe, from a few years before, which I hadn't seen or didn't know much about. But it's a really simple premise. It's basically like a, a family man, like a businessman type guy. He's driving his kids to to work and he gets a call from somebody and they basically tell him there's a bomb under his seat and that if he calls the cops or he gets out of the car or his kids get out of the car the bomb's basically going to explode and it's like a it's like a landmine type thing where he's like it's a pressurized thing so if he even like gets shifts too much in the it's wrong like way, that it movie explode. the bus that couldn't slow down it's exactly <laughs> like that so it's base and basically they want him to wire a bunch of money to things and it basically turns out he was you know involved in some shady corporate stuff where they took a lot of money from disadvantaged victims and stuff like that or they downsized a lot of people so basically yeah it's like one of those morality kind of play sort of things but this was pretty intense i have to say like it's definitely got the veneer of more of like a mainstream south korean production it's not necessarily like you know a kim ji woon type sort of like arty actioner but like i had a lot of fun with this and it's just like really propulsive it just keeps going and going and going it never lets up the acting is really strong in it and um yeah i mean you pretty much know where it's going i don't know if it like does anything too radically different but this was just something i kind of watched on a whim and had a really good time with so have you ever seen runaway car from 1997 no i have not judge reinhold is in a car that can't slow down and that's the plot that's it really see that a trainee nurse a skateboarder an internet businessman and a baby are trapped in a speeding car that no one seems able to stop oh yeah this looks great oh you know what i remember this directed by jack nightmare on elm street two shoulder jack shoulder wow I got to watch this now. I like Jack Shoulder and I love Judge Ryan. I've seen you in every movie, including uh, Zandalee. Zandalee. So good. Which he directed, didn't he? Or no, he didn't direct it. He did not direct Zandalee. He directed something else, though, around that time. Judge Reinhold. Zandalee, the film where Judge Reinhold gets cucked by Nicolas Cage. Yeah, the film where Nicolas Cage just upstages Judge Reinhold at like every second. But um, yeah, this looks great. Will Judge Reinhold get like a grizzled action movie? Like I know. know. I keep expecting him to show up in some like VOD action stuff, but it hasn't really happened, I don't think. So, next up, we have The Subject. Now, this is what I was thinking okay, of. Okay, now, this, this is what you're thinking of. <laughs> now, this is a weird one. I got a screener of this at the end of last year, I guess, when it was coming out on VOD or whatever. Did you drop everything? You're like, new Jason Biggs film. I, I did. Well, you know, I looked at the premise, I looked at who was in it, I'm like, I gotta watch this. There's no way. I, don't, I, can't. <laughs> I can't watch it. Put it away. I, I need to see what Jason Biggs is. You know what? I've never had a problem with Jason Biggs. I think he's fine. He's actually got a good sense of humor. And I think he is pretty self-aware about his status as just being, you know, the guy who fucks a pie. I mean, we've all seen Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And yeah, I've seen him on talk shows and stuff and do sort of 
segments where he's like pretty self-aware about like who he is he's got a good sense of humor about himself so oh man poor guy he hasn't really got to act in many things no, I'm looking that's here. the problem his career but again i think he's pretty well aware that he the jobs aren't gonna come fast and furious anymore for him so who can forget saving silverman yeah, all I know, about right aren't women crazy yeah what a great not great movie <laughs> saving silverman is just so atrociously bad he just you know, they just wanted to keep putting him in American Pie type stuff. And it's like, eventually that's going to run out of steam, you know? And... For good, I always confuse Saving Silverman with the other one with, I think, Matt LeBlanc. Uh, no, no. Do you mean the one with Matthew Perry? Matthew Perry. That's what I'm Serving thinking. Sarah. Yeah, you're talking about Serving Sarah, which I never saw. Yeah, that, that one I don't. Oh, that movie is super gross. I remember like a, cor- like a cow shits on somebody at some point. Uh, you know what movie? I, I only want to bring this up because I don't know what other context I can. I watched recently movie forty three. Did you see that movie? I have. No, I saw you and Will posting about this a bunch, and <laughs> we watch it together. I've never seen this. I was intrigued at the time, but then I just never did. You know what? We laughed through basically every segment, and there's like a segment where it's um oh what's her name? She stars in the scary movie. Anna film. Ferris. Yeah, Anna Ferris and her husband at the time, or maybe they were dating Chris Pratt. Oh, Chris Pratt is in this. Eh? Oh, wow. there's so many crazy people yeah and i remember it was chock full of stars the gimmick of that segment is that she tells chris pratt that he can finally shit oh, on her great. chest you know that's the kind of humor i'm looking for it's him like preparing he takes a bunch of x lax his friends tell him that like how he should do it that's funny stuff or the one where richard gear is the owner of a company that they made a naked woman who's also a uh mp3 player but the problem is they put the fan where her vagina is, so people keep sticking their hands inside of it. And he's like, I don't see what the problem is. That's funny stuff. I mean, all I remember about this movie is how, like, lambasted it got by critics, like, and just, like, how people couldn't even believe it existed. And, I mean, that was enough to make me intrigued at the time, but I don't know. I guess I just never had anybody that wanted to watch it. So. What I said uh, to Will when we were watching it was I've seen so many like groove tube style anthology films and those fucking suck. I'm not like, really a fan terrible. of those kind of movies. So maybe this one I would like though. I'm intrigued after you guys were talking about it so much though. But getting back to serious uh, Jason Biggs, we'll look forward to the Sandpiper release of movie. Four yeah, of course. Right. It'll happen. It'll happen. But no, this movie is, yeah, this is a serious dramatic jason biggs movie right here and you know what the the plot so the plot is interesting jason biggs plays a documentary film like a famous documentary filmmaker he got famous from by making a film about like an inner city black youth who basically wanted to join a gang and everything and then this kid got killed and bait biggs actually caught part of it on camera and put it in the film and that was part of like how the movie blew up but it also has made him a bit of a controversial target because people have charged him with exploiting so and he has a lot of like inner guilt about it like he wavers back and forth about whether he should have done that or not and now he's like you know kind of famous and everything and he's like wondering you know is he a good person or not and now he's like basically his new project that he's working on is like now he's working on some like HBO type doc series or like Netflix doc series about inner city youth so he like focuses on different kids and everything so basically the first half of the movie is kind of 
taken up by that and his relationship with his wife who is latino herself and um basically she's trying to convince him like no you shouldn't feel bad about it or anything and he's just like racked with guilt the second half of the movie then turns into this weird sort of like stagey thriller it almost feels like a stage play i mean that seems like up your alley though yeah exactly so the mother of the kid that got killed in his previous film who he hasn't had much contact with at all comes to his house she's basically been calling him and leaving sort of like threatening messages but he doesn't know it's her and basically it shows up and is like he tries to kick her out and he's she's like no no you gotta stay we're gonna we're gonna hash this out because i've got like a group of gang members all like outside right now and if you leave or call the cops they're gonna kill you they're gonna like shoot you like come in and you're thinking like and biggs like falls for this like hook line and sinker and so the whole movie the rest of the movie is basically this back and forth between them where She's trying to say that, like, get him to admit that he's, like, a horrible person and he exploited her son and ruined her life. And he's kind of turning around and making it seem like she was a bad mother because the kid would always talk about how his mom wasn't present and everything. So they kind of just fight about this for, like, half an hour. But you're thinking the whole time, you're like, there's no way there's, like, gang members just waiting outside. Like, you don't see these gang members outside. Like, he also lives in, like, a really affluent, like, suburban neighborhood. So you would think if there were just, like, a bunch of guys with guns hanging around outside that, like, somebody would say something, right? So you, the whole time you're like, this is just, like, a, a bluff, right? Or is it? Spoiler alert, it is a bluff. So... But, like, he buys it the whole time, and he's so worried the whole time. She keeps saying, oh, they're going to kill you. And he's like, no, you got to call them off. And you're just thinking, like, dude, there's, like, definitely nobody outside. Like, come on. And it just gets to this fever pitch where eventually, you know, you've seen it before. She makes him, like, break down in tears and admit he's, like, a horrible person and everything. And then eventually she's kind of like... Oh, yeah, so there, there's no. That's the movie. Oh, uh, well, so I guess I don't have to see it now. He's filling it all. Well, there's also a subplot earlier on where he hires uh, an assistant. He needs to hire an assistant. He ends up hiring this much younger female assistant who's, like, clearly obsessed with him and kind of in love with him. And, like, his wife can see this immediately, right? Even And Biggs is, like, inviting her over to, like, come over for dinner and everything. And his wife's, like, she's clearly, like, into you. And then, of course, she, like, makes a move on him and Jason Biggs reciprocates. And they, this like, is a lot of movies. I know. There's so much that happens in this movie but it's like so jason biggs is like and the thing is i don't necessarily mind the idea of this movie and i feel like the director has really good intentions uh director's name is laney zipoy it's her first feature film and she's clearly trying to examine race and exploit and how like documentary filmmakers particularly white documentary filmmakers affluent documentary filmmakers exploit underrepresented and racialized subjects really interesting concept to explore i think but it's just chock full of so much bad campy melodrama that it kind of and it's not purposeful like you can tell she's trying to make like a really serious film that like the ridiculous melodrama just detracts from it because honestly for the first 45 minutes or so i was actually into it like it's a pretty solid little indie flick and then it just goes way off the rails in like kind of an entertainingly bad way but it's just a shame because half of the movies like shows a lot of promise i think so and jason biggs is honestly not that bad at it more dramatic jason biggs performance more, is what you're asking exactly for. so i don't know i mean if you're curious i know i spoiled it but like honestly if you don't think that there's you know not gang members waiting inside the house then I, I don't know what to tell you it's pretty obvious i am just but... waiting for the grizzled jason biggs like i want him to get an action movie yeah, like, a right? DTV. like that's the thing i don't know where he goes from here you know because i feel like 
you, he, you can definitely see him putting a lot into this performance. Um, and clearly it's not going to go anywhere and nobody cares. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for Jason Biggs. Apparently well, I was he was looking, on law and order special victims unit in 2022. He has some like reality shows, like game show thing where he goes to uh, people's homes and just like gives them money or something. <laughs> so I can't remember what it's called. It's called like Jason Biggs's something oh it would be okay because i'm looking at imdb it would be under himself yeah under self yeah 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 but i saw ads for this pop up when i was looking up his stuff and i'm like what is this jason biggs cash at your door they only did two episodes though so yeah i I don't think this lasted very long but imagine jason biggs just showed up at your door with a wad of cash but the problem is is (laughs) but then he makes the families go through a series of tests i wonder what those are i I will say this for our society at the moment is there were some more dystopian kind of game shows like that like there was one where it's like a family has to give up money to another family just like these emotional torturing things and the public at large was like no thank you like get this out of here and honestly this kind of relates to the subject matter of the subject in terms of just like an affluent guy going to like disadvantaged families you know so maybe it was like meta like yeah, he, exactly right. he did this move this tv show to like see how he feels all right well that's it for all the releases at bay street video this week we're now a tuesday show so check in every tuesday for a new episode of this podcast we've gotten a lot of listeners lately which i very much appreciate Yep, and make sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't yet, please, do. please, please do please so. Do. Very much appreciated. So, until next week, my name's Justin the Clue. And I'm Mark Keep Hansen. on buying. Keep on renting. Jason Biggs Films. <laughs> These movies and many more are available at your local video store. I'm sure we've got three or four of them. <laughs>